You were listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I am once again thrilled to be here for another amazing episode where I would like to introduce you all to the Breaking Through series. We're going to get into a little bit more about what that means, but first I would like to cover a little bit about what's been going on in the world of master's degree. So we all remember the episode a couple of times ago where I had uh, my Jesse time with the circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results around the 80 out of 100. That turned into a 93 on the next essay, and I got a 100 out of 100 on the last essay I turned in. So clearly, by bringing in Team GCU Jesse and reeling in my emotions and actually allowing my prefrontal cortex and my logical, rational thought to supersede the little emotional... I don't want to call it a temper tantrum. I don't. I don't want to I don't want to negate my feelings. And at the same time I do realize that the spiral I sent myself down into uh was necessary. I really do believe that. I honestly think that it's in those times where we get ourselves into a spot of bother that we honestly have the potential to grow that much more. Um, right now, my for some reason, a picture of like a, a weed or a plant, a flower being able to grow through a sidewalk. Like imagine how much effort it took to crack through that cement um, and how much more resilient and strong that plant would be for having accomplished breaking through the concrete rather than just being planted in a garden. Uh, it, it does. It does astound me that you can plant things in a garden and all of a sudden they die and they're in soil and you tend to them every single day. And meanwhile, you know, we got weeds growing through sidewalks and they just seem to persist no matter what. And maybe it is. Maybe it is that need to go through trials and tribulations to break through what we think we are unable to break through. And then we get to the other side and we're like, okay, that was not as bad as I thought or not as hard as I thought, or it was extremely difficult, but I still showed perseverance. And we talk a lot on this show about utilizing values and skills that we adopted when we were in our active addiction and being able to bring those over and utilize them for the powerful personality traits and attributes that they are. They are. I put a tremendous amount of effort into being intoxicated, getting home intoxicated, finding drugs in the wee hours of the night, manipulating my finances so that I could still pay my car insurance or my rent and still be able to be intoxicated on a regular basis. Like we showed a tremendous amount of resiliency in our active addiction to continue with the active addiction. And we can bring that resiliency and that discipline and that fortitude and that sheer willpower of focus, like I will find drugs at 3 a.m. kind of focus, we can bring that into our lives. But in order to do that, we have to realize that first, that these powerful values and strengths and uh, you know characteristics are inside of us. And it can be difficult when we first get into addiction recovery, because we might have a very low self-esteem, a, a low sense of self-worth, a low sense of self-confidence about ourselves, because we're looking at our lives through this lens of, I'm an addict. I am only worth whatever an addict is worth. 
And if you don't have people in your corner cheering you on and celebrating your little victories, and it's just you left alone with your thoughts, you could find yourself spiraling down into the abyss of, why am I worthy of anything at all? And we want to be extremely mindful of noticing when we're doing that to ourselves and then start doing things that prove to ourselves that we are no longer that version, but we are now evolving into this new version. And we talk about this so much on the show. I brought this up before, but it bears worth reiterating that when people come to me and they say, Jesse, how can I love myself? And some people will throw the word again at the end of that sentence, but a lot of us don't put the word again at the end of that sentence because we never really loved ourselves to begin with. And that comes from a lot of different places. It comes from how we were attached to our parents, how we communicated with them, our family members, our social circle, how we were able to interact in our school system, in our environment, in our neighborhoods and communities. It expands so far out because there's so many different influences coming toward us in our youth we're not even aware of. Just millions upon millions upon millions of bits of information flying at us every single second of our lives. And our conscious mind is just so... It's it's so limited in what it can actually hold on to and what it, it can actually be aware of that so much of that just gets filed into the unconscious mind and then it starts to manipulate and influence our behaviors, the way we communicate, the way we attach to people, and you just start running this program that you don't even realize you're, you've run. And whether, I, I almost said whether society means to or not, and I'm just going to Go ahead and roll that back and just say, I, for the most part, think 99.9% of society does not wake up with a nefarious intention toward anyone. It is just the way they know how to behave and they know how to interact. And then that just gets influenced toward you. And then you begin to behave and act. However, according to that person's behavior and actions helps you feel like you're connecting with them. You're building rapport with them. We are humans. We seek connection. We want to build rapport. And we're going to do many, many, many things in our youth and adolescent and teenage years. And those, I mean, people are still doing this shit at 80 years old, trying to not get ostracized from the tribe. But we have to be very mindful on our wherewithal and our awareness around, is that even a tribe I want to be a part of? Because as we seek to break through from the act of addiction into sobriety and recovery. There are so many intricacies and nuances of our lives that we're not even aware of, that it really becomes this amazing opportunity for self-exploration. And that's what we signed up for. When people call other people dry drunks and they, you know, you're not working the steps, you're not doing your work, you're, you're just white knuckling it through... I am not the person who's going to pass judgment on how somebody else determines what they're going to do in order for them to achieve sobriety. I certainly know people who, for the most part, would be considered white knucklers and who made it two, three, four years into sobriety. Is there still a lot of uh, skeletons in their closet and baggage in their suitcases that they're going to at some point need to unpack? Certainly, I would say yes, because that's where I believe recovery comes from. But for that person, it might be, you know what? I'll unpack that luggage later. But today, I just want to get through today. And who are we to judge how somebody else decides to heal themselves, even if it looks nothing like what we do to heal 
ourselves. So as we get into this idea of the breaking through series, why this has come to me and where we're going to go with this is that I've wanted, I've been wanting for some time to create sort of a series of episodes that all interlink with one another. And I believe that inherently that's the kind of, uh, I almost said concert. That's the kind of podcast that I have created where everything does link and build upon each other. But when you're going and scrolling through Spotify or iTunes or Pandora, however you listen to me, sometimes it can be difficult to realize what episodes connect to other ones. And I'm not necessarily going to put a ton of uh, thought or effort into making sure that they go in a particular order although there will be order established as this begins to grow and certainly as I launch it. Uh, What I really want to be able to do is say, okay, why don't you go to the Breaking Through series and listen to this episode on attachment styles or this episode on communication or this episode on emotional grounding? Because as always, my brain is creating stories as I talk. And so much of what I say is just off the cuff. It's just things that I've gathered and, you know, loose notes in front of me to keep me focused. But for the most part, I just get on here and start talking. And what comes of it is generally, I mean, based off the fact that the show is popular and people are still listening to it, clearly it's bringing value. But how can I exceed your desired value? And yesterday, I'm in this conversation with the man who runs His Way. And if you remember, I was an intern out at His Way, which is a faith-based, they, they, they practice the Bible and they talk about the Bible and they bring God and Jesus into their recovery process. They make no qualms about that they are a faith-based addiction recovery program. And so I meet with him about once a month to just read the Bible. And right now we've been reading Philippians and there's a lot of really cool stuff that's going on inside that particular book, Philippians. And I'm not going to get into the intricacies of that as much as I just wanted to bring to light that I've been meeting with this gentleman, Tom, over there at his way and reading the Bible with him. And it's been pretty fun. I love bringing in other associations, other influences into my life and not just my recovery, but my life in general. I mean, I go to Buddhist, um, addiction recovery meetings called Dharma Recovery. And I, you know, have gone to celebrate recovery and I've attended many 12-step meeting. And now, you know, I read the Bible with Tom. Like, it's just, let's just bring it all in. Bring it all into my soup of life. Let's throw it all into the pot. Let's stir it all around and let's see what comes of it. And the epiphanies that Tom and I are able to create together with one another is quite enjoyable to experience. And yesterday, we're sitting there in his office and he starts talking about whether he meant to or not, he brings up this amazing metaphor. I'm going to share it with you all now. Is that we we both live in the city of Huntsville, Alabama, and this city was built and founded upon this idea of breaking through gravity. When we defeated the Nazis in World War II, it was the United States of America and it was the USSR in a sprint to get into Germany and to get into Munich and to be able to get a hold of these Nazi scientists. And we won that race and we got a hold of Von Braun. Um, I'm not remembering his first name right now, but his name's Von Braun. Everything in this town that's of note has a Von Braun attached to it, our Space and Exploration Center. Uh, We've got the Von Braun Center where music and uh, concerts and hockey games are held downtown. 
Von Braun was the lead scientist that helped us develop the rockets that got us into outer space. So when you think of Saturn and all of those rocket programs that were happening in the 60s and the 70s, it was this gentleman and his team that we got out of Germany that allowed this to happen. And they tried to put him off, I think in Albuquerque, New Mexico, somewhere in New Mexico. That did not appease him at all. He wanted uh, a terrain that reminded him more of his childhood home in Germany. And ultimately, he discovered Hunts and that's why this city was built around rockets. So this whole city is built around this idea of breaking through gravity. And so we started to discuss how is addiction recovery our gravity, right? Or how is addiction? Let's, let me, let me I'm, again, I am just totally whipping this off. I've thought about it a lot, but now that I'm trying to say it out loud on a microphone, I might need to re- recover and, and repeat and roll some things back. So how is addiction our gravity? And how is sobriety the rocket fuel that propels us up so that we can get to the second booster rocket, which is addiction recovery? Totally just made that shit up right off the top of my head. So we've got gravity as addiction. We've got that initial booster rocket. And if you need to understand booster rockets, go to YouTube and type in space shuttle launch. And you'll notice that there's an initial burst uh, that gets the rocket off of the launching pad. And once it gets up to a certain height and speed, it drops off those fuel canisters, fuselages, I think it might be called. And then that's when the secondary fuel takes over. And that's what launches the space shuttle um, and propels it out into outer space. So there's a, it's like a, it might have more than just two steps to it, but for the simplicity's sake of this show, let's just say that there's the initial fuel that gets us off the launch pad, and then there's that secondary fuel that shows up that's what gets us into outer space. And gravity is the addiction. So if we have all of these things, and now let's really start to grow this out. It's not just addiction that's our gravity. It's our attachment styles. It's how we communicate. It's, it's how we maneuver our way through our emotions. It's our physical dependency on certain behaviors, even if we know that they're killing us. It's, the gravity becomes all of it. It becomes our entirety. And we don't even realize this is happening until we get into sobriety and we start seeking that addiction recovery. And then all of a sudden, like, I thought it was just booze or I thought it was just cocaine or meth or kratom or marijuana. Like, I thought that was the only thing holding my life back, but it's not. It might be the substance that seems to be the most sticky But once you wash that away, then you realize that there is just a whole lot of a lack of emotional intelligence underneath or a lack of mental thought and acuity towards what it is you've actually desired. Because it's like when you're walking around with like this blindfold over your eyes for so long, you really have no idea where you're leading yourself to. And that's the addiction. That's the substances. And then all of a sudden, it's like you whip it off and now you see where you're at. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're free. It just means that you now know where you're at. You know, now my brain is conjuring up pictures of being like taken hostage, right? And they put that black, you know, bag over your head and, you know, they're driving around and they're taking all these lefts and rights and you have no idea where you're at and you're going down weird tunnels and you're hearing weird sounds and life is just freaking weird in that moment. And just because that blindfold comes off doesn't mean that you're free. It just gives you a sense of your environment. And now it's up to you to figure out how to get yourself out of this situation. 
Of course, this might be a little bit where this metaphor analogy starts to fall apart because kidnapped isn't generally something that anybody signs up for. It's not like, I got an idea. Uh, could you please just throw me in the back of a car, tie me up, and take me into a random place and hold me hostage? Like, man, we're not mostly doing that. Nah, that's not how I usually wake up in the morning. However, with alcohol and drugs and addictive substances and all this other stuff, there was a part of us that did choose, willingly chose time and time again to begin to give more and more and more of ourselves to the addiction and less and less and less of ourselves to anything that wasn't associated with the addiction. If you can't get me high, frick off. If you can't help me party down and get the outcome I want, and that could be, okay, let's party down, let's get some alcohol, let's get some drugs into our body, let's get to a party and let's start flirting, right? Whatever it was, whatever the outcome was, and some days it was to get messed up and other days it was to hook up, but either way, there was an outcome in mind. And now all of a sudden we take off this shroud, we can see around us, we decide, okay, there has to be different things for me to focus my attention toward each and every day, right? It can't just be getting messed up, can't just be the hookups, it's got to be something, right? We go through that that pre-contemplative phase where we don't even necessarily realize anything is wrong with our behavior. And yeah, we wake up with some shitty hangovers and some poor attitudes and apologies needing to be made. But for the most part, we're like, yeah, okay, cool. Everybody's cool with what I did last night? Sweet. Who wants to go to the bar? Awesome. First round's on me, right? And it's sort of kind of all forgiven. But then we get into this contemplative stage where we realize more, 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 more of life can be expected of me if I just begin to release what I believe is the anchor around my neck. And then we get into the planning stage. And at some point we take action and we begin to release the addiction just to realize that it was just one of many anchors around our neck. And so when we go to break through and we bring this back to the parallel story of Huntsville and this being a city built upon rockets, we, we realize that gravity is all encompassing, that it's so much And you never get rid of gravity. We are a city built upon this idea that we can break gravity, but we cannot get rid of gravity. And in fact, the idea of breaking it is almost like, well, you know, take a stick and you break it and it's like, ha, stick defeated. But in reality, gravity, we're just bending it. We're bending it to our will momentarily. But at any point, those rocket boosters and those fuselages no longer work the way that they were told to work, the way that they were programmed and built to work. Gravity is right there to remind us of how strong it is. And that's the addiction. That's the negative emotional intelligence that we're seeking to to bend, right? Because it's there. We don't get to take ingredients out of our soup of life. And if you're wondering why I keep you know, bringing up the soup of life, go back to the soup metaphor episode. I literally called it the soup metaphor episode. And listen to that and you'll understand why I love to refer to our lives as a big old pot of stew. And so you don't get to necessarily take out the emotional heartache and trauma of your childhood or your teenage years, you know, the shocking death of somebody, the loss of friendships, the moving from house to house, the embarrassment in sixth grade when somebody pulled the chair out from underneath you and you cried in front of the whole class. Like those things don't go away any more than the empowering things go away. 
having the teacher grab the student who tripped you in the hallway and take them to the principal office and having the, you know, the biggest guy in the school who's been bullying you all of a sudden get put down by somebody else who decided that they were no longer going to watch other people get picked on. You know, the friends who made uh, nice with you, even though you told them you were only going to be there for six months, like you saw kindness and empathy and compassion from people. Like these are just random pictures popping into my head. I've got a bazillion of these. So the good things don't come out of the pot any more than the bad things come out of the pot. We're just seeking to add more good things to the pot. And so as we begin to break through bending this gravity, I'm going to use a bunch of different words for this metaphor, but whether it's break, bend, it's not important. What I really want you to be able to picture right now is you are this rocket on this launch pad and gravity is all around you. And that can be your addiction. That can be your negative emotional intelligence. That could be your physical body and how you see yourself in the mirror. That could be your self-talk and whether it's automatically negative and it's just beating you down. It, It can be all of these things. And in fact, what I have always known, but even more recently rediscovered about myself is even when good things happen, I still can somehow figure out a way to be an asshole to myself. It's like I get a hundred out on an essay. I mean, just a few weeks ago, somebody very close to me was like, you don't ever expect to get a hundred on it. They're always going to be able to find something wrong. And from an 80 to a 93 to a hundred, all in the span of two weeks, And when it was done, it wasn't like a celebration. I wasn't popping confetti. I'm not even sure I told anybody until this podcast when I said it out loud. It's like, eh, I mean, that's what I was expecting. Right? I, instead of celebrating the fact that I've gotten so much better at these over the last two weeks, my brain's initial knee-jerk reaction was, eh, finally. You're getting what you thought you should have been getting two weeks ago, rather than just celebrating the fact that there was a lot of trials and tribulations and so many hours spent. So even when good things happen to us, we can still figure out a way to not experience it as the good thing that it is. So that's part of our gravity, our perspective, our personality characteristics, our memories, our experiences, what time of the day it is or time of the week or time of the month or time of the year right? What space we're in, the environment, our skills, our capabilities, our desire for certainty or variety or connection or love or significance or contribution or personal growth. All of these things can act as gravity because they're all part of our life. It's It's this gravity that keeps us grounded, Without gravity, we're all just floating all over the place, which does sound super fun, but what are we? We're not birds, and even birds would not fly very well without the gravity. They need that, they need that force to push off of. We need to have these negative experiences, these undesirable memories. We need those to push off of. That's how we take flight. That's how we launch ourselves forward. And so part of this breaking through series is just starting to really understand what our fuel is and to better understand what the gravity around us consists of because it's infinite and it's everywhere. We think about communication styles. We think about attachment styles. We think, we think about physical fitness and exercise and nutrition. And we think about the way that we interact with people and knee-jerk 
reactions to certain circumstances that all of a sudden conjure up feelings of anxiety and stress in us that we're like, why am I feeling this way at 47? I was recently offered an opportunity to ride along with some people um, on like a three-hour road trip to go to an event, and I declined simply because of social anxiety of wondering what I was going to talk to these people about for three hours there and three hours back. That's six hours in a car. And I vape, and I want to be able to vape freely. And I like to listen to my trance music or, the, or my fish or fantasy football podcasts, uh, fantasy football on the radio, uh, philosophy podcasts. I want to do whatever I want to do. So I get this desire to connect with people. But this internal anxiety mechanism that just fires off, it says, you know what, I'd rather just spend my own $60 on gas and put, them, uh, and put the wear and tear on my car just to have my own little bubble, just to be able to be in my own little world. Now, would I prefer not to have these feelings of social anxiety when opportunities to connect and be around others present themselves? Yes. But I also understand that there's just a certain amount of things in life, a comfortability, if you will, that I just desire at this stage in the game. That I, you know, back in the day, it was like, how many of us can shove into one car so this one person can sort of kind of be sober and all get us all home? I don't care how far we have to drive to this event. I'll sit four people in the back seat because I don't have a car or I don't have the money to afford my own way. And as we get older, we start to stop making concessions and putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations and start choosing our own self and our own self-care has the primary idea around the decisions that we make. And we integrate others as it works around our ability to be comfortable in certain situations. I know it's a lot of words all at once, but this idea that the more we just become grounded in ourselves, the more we're less willing to give of ourselves to be uncomfortable just to placate somebody else's desires. It's about what is it that's healthy and good for me. And when we go to break through, other people can also be the gravity. And they don't mean to be the gravity. Again, I honestly don't think most human beings wake up saying, I really hope I can make Jesse's day go to shit. I don't think that the girlfriend wakes up saying, you know what? I'm going to make sure I give him a smarty tone first thing in the morning and some side eye and eye rolling before he even gets into his office. Like this is honest to God, not what I think she does any more than I think that's what anybody else on this planet is doing. And I'm not saying I necessarily had those thoughts today, but I have certainly woken up on the wrong side of the bed being like, oh, when's it going to happen today? And, and it, there's not a ton of experience of that ever happening to before. But my brain, but my brain just wants to create stories. It wants to create scenarios that might just be half cocked up and not even real and just complete make-believe because it gives it something to think about. In the absence of any actual drama in our lives that we need to figure out, the mind will create. It will. You know this. You've seen this in people out there. That you, this idea of some, it's like those people who you're like, they have so little going on in their lives. They just, they just strum up some drama, just to give themselves something to focus on today. Well, that's not who we are anymore. If we ever were that to begin with, but it's certainly not who we are now. When we decide to break through our addiction, we also decide to break through all that other bull, all that other nonsense that's become our gravity. 
And a lot of that can be around sort of creating this drama or wanting to live in the drama, wanting to be around something. And it is inherent. It's part of our evolutionary structure of our minds, right? To be thinking about all these different scenarios that might come up and to sort of kind of have a contingency for them in case they do come up. Because back in the day, if we didn't think about the 17 ways we could be attacked leaving the cave, we were saber-toothed cat dinner. Or we were getting, you know, we were a a woolly mammoth pancake. And so we had to have our mind constantly looking out for the dangers. Well, now, for a lack of extreme death-defying dangers that we face each and every day, our minds are just creating shit to keep itself entertained. So why aren't we creating good stuff? Why aren't we creating happy memories? Because happy daydreams don't have that same kind of internal social, uh, I'm sorry, internal emotional charge. When we're seeking to heal ourselves or find our way through danger or adverse experiences, there's a fire inside of us, right? Oh, I will solve this problem. I will figure out this thing. Well, now we get ourselves into addiction recovery. We start to stabilize our lives. All of a sudden, there's not the insane stories we need to apologize for the next morning. There's not the constant empty bank account because we blew our rent money at the bar. There isn't, you know, the insano friends that we're keeping in our social circle because that person might know how to find blow at four in the morning. We have literally begun to restructure our entire lives and break through this gravity. But with it comes all these memories of who we used to be. And when the brain gets bored, it's just going to start conjuring up shit. Just keep itself entertained. So I would highly recommend as an action step after this is done is to catch yourself in those stories where you're the victim or you're the villain or you're the hero and start to ask yourself, how can I be empowering my mental daydreams, my thoughts and my emotions so that they're fueling me towards who I actually desire to be? It's a lot. It's a lot. And not everybody who gets sober decides to go into this level of depth on their own self-awareness. And others who decide not to, that's great for them. I do not frown upon them. I do not judge them. I accept everybody for the amazing human that they are. And when I catch myself judging, I just simply ask myself, are the assumptions that that person's making in their current life about the world they live in, is the behaviors I'm seeing from them accurate based off where they are in their life or what they know about themselves or the resources they have? Because if I step into this growth mindset of everybody's doing the best they can with the resources they have, right? And that there are no unresourceful people, just unresourceful states, then I realize that it's not the person that I'm actually knee-jerk reaction in the judgment zone with. It's actually the behavior, And you can change behavior. People can change behaviors, but you can embrace and you can accept the person for who they are standing in front of you because we all have this infinite wisdom that comes with being a human and all of this infinite love that we would deem nothing more than valuable to share to everybody else around us. Everyone is born with this purity and this love of heart. It's the process of living that degeniuses us. It's the process of living that breaks us down and causes us to be vitriol and hateful and spiteful toward one another. It's the process of living that creates this stress and this anxiety and this desire for escapism. Now we decide to break through. 
Now we decide to power ourselves through the gravity. And we're going to use a lot of things as fuel. We're going to use our growth mindset and we're going to use our courage and our decisiveness and our ability to take action. We're going to be, you know, pondering upon discipline and flexibility and tenacity and love and and esteem. All of these things, all of these things go into the fuel mixture. The more powerful the fuel, the more easily we're able to bend the gravity, but we never really truly break free from it. Even the space shuttles and everything that we put up into outer space is being pulled on by the gravitational pull of the Earth and left to its own devices up there in outer space. Given enough time, the Earth will pull every satellite, the Earth will pull every single object that's out there into our atmosphere. And how big and strong it is will determine whether it burns up through our atmosphere or whether it comes crashing down on the planet. But either way, there's always the gravitational pull meaning that we never truly get to break free from everything. But we do have these opportunities to bend it, to experience it. And the more we're able to use this internal fuel as the power that gets us away from the gravitational pull of everything, good, bad, right, wrong, sad, mad, happy, content, all of it, the more we get practiced at utilizing this fuel to bend this gravity, the more we're able to bend it in a more efficient or uh, effortless manner in the future. Now, is anything truly absolutely without effort? No. I mean, even, even putting on my shoes takes some modicum of effort. But the point being is that putting on my shoes is substantially easier than it would, say, to be able to put on, you know, uh, night armor. What the fuck did that come from? Right? Night armor pretty difficult to put on. Parachutes, not so much, right? There are different levels of effort. But what's important to realize is that when things start to get easy, that's the signal to us to begin to push ourselves just a little bit more. But we have to understand the difference between constant working on ourselves and finding a level of contentment in who we are today just to be able to sit still. Because we can fall into cross-addiction. We can fall into these ideas like, I've got to constantly be working on myself, constantly be working on myself, because if I'm not constantly tinkering with myself, then I'm sliding back into my addiction. And that's not necessarily true. That's obviously your own subjective perspective if that's how you feel. But we're going to begin to have conversations around this idea that contentment is not complacency. It is the ability to be happy with what you have now in the moment. Yes, more time will pass. More opportunities to improve will show themselves. More opportunities to work, more opportunities to sleep, more opportunities to hang out, more opportunities to walk the dog or mow the lawn or read a book or read a podcast or journal or stretch or do yoga or I don't know, juggle chainsaws that are on fire. Fucking opportunities abound. But in the moment, can we sit still with ourselves and just say, blessed be that I can even be here today enjoying this moment in time. Blessed be that I can even just be here today enjoying this moment in time. I should have died in that bathtub or I should have been paralyzed when I hit the ocean floor or when I bounced my face off the pool 
or whenever I went through multiple windshields because I was a drunk or because, you know, I got my head bounced off the ground crowd surfing at a concert or because I got uh, held up by a knife in Bourbon Street trying to buy drugs during a, during a jazz fest in 96. Or I remember whenever I was a bag boy at JC Grocery Store in Columbus, Indiana, and right around Halloween, somebody came in wearing a Jason mask and put a gun in my face and said, where's the safe? And I thought it was our stock boy playing a prank on us. And I was like, dude, you know where the safe is? It's right up there, man. Great mask, Jason. What's going on? Right? And it turns out we were actually being robbed and a real gun was put into my face. And here I am 16 years old. Like Lots of opportunities for life to have gone completely different than they currently are now as I stand here pacing back and forth in my office, having a wonderful time going through the idea of breaking through with you. And I'm going to get you out of here on this because there's a lot more coming up. And I get to go to an amazing event tonight celebrating uh, my graduation from the one-year Certified Recovery Support Specialist Program. I'm going to get an opportunity to see everybody that I've been involved with in that program for the last year. It's been a wonderful two-year-ish journey with that program. It has absolutely helped fuel me into getting my master's degree to become a therapist. And all of this... All of these things I do are more and more and more fuel. And they are also the goals that this fuel is getting me to. Because when we launch the rocket off the launch pad, it's got a goal. It's got a mission. Let's go to the moon or let's go up into outer space and just look at stars without as much, you know, uh, streetlights in our way. Whatever the goals are, there's always a mission to the launch. What is your mission? And there's a lot of different opportunities for missions. Some will take years to plan and play out and work toward, to finally make it to the moon. Others, not so hard, not so difficult. Go out for 10,000 steps today. It's literally just deciding to put on shoes and go outside and walk around for an hour and a half. Some of the goals that we have in life will take years to see to fruition. This is a five-year journey to become a therapist that I am you know, only nine weeks into. Whereas other ones like getting 10,000 steps today, I'm already 5,000 steps into and it's not even noon yet. The idea around what it is we seek to accomplish, we want to layer those. We want to have ones that are a little bit easier than the others because we want to feel accomplishment. It's part of the breaking through. The people in the little the little mission control area, they know that the launch is going well based off of how much fuel it takes to get 10 feet off the launch pad and then 50 feet and then 100 feet. And now we're up, you know, beep, you know, you, you, I, can, I can hear the launch protocol. It's, it's like, beep, we are now two minutes away from fusel launch one breaking off. Beep, hello, Houston, do you have a visual contact of the space shuttle yet? Beep, right? Like, <laughs> Such a fucking weirdo, dude. But but it's like we have these opportunities to see that we are getting ourselves up to where we want to be. But it takes mindfulness, it takes awareness, and it takes a sense of calm around the fact that some things will take longer than others. And as we break through our addiction and we break through our pain and we break through our suffering, I want us to just embrace all of it as this wonderful human experience that we're having. The Buddhists say, um, the Bible says, that suffering is a part of life. That suffering is there. It's going to happen. So it amazes me when we get so angry and upset and pissy and argumentative around others and toward others and about certain subjects that have to do with suffering when literally suffering is everywhere and it's happening all the time. It happens so much we ignore 99% of it. But it's that 1% that, that gets through, 
that all of a sudden gets at our heart, that gets at our soul, that gets at our energy level. That's what we spiral on. But suffering has been happening all around us since we slid out of the womb. I'm sure if we could remember, coming out of the womb was probably not a good freaking experience. I know for a fact, well, I know based off of the facts women tell me, that giving birth is some freaking suffering. <laughs> I can only know what that is like through what they've told me. And I once stubbed my toe. And I'm pretty sure stubbing my toe is pretty similar to giving birth to a baby. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I broke my leg one time. I'm pretty sure that's probably the same. In fact, it's probably worse. Yeah, I would say breaking my leg is way worse than giving birth to a baby. Bing, 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 sarcasm, right? <laughs> Nuance, subtlety, right? But we know that there is suffering. One of the most amazing things that a human being can experience, being born or giving birth, is literally built upon pain and suffering. So suffering is there, but how can we embrace it? How can we use it as additional fuel and release it as this overbearing gravity that we have made it out to be all along? We're going to dive into this more and more and more. And not every episode is going to be part of the Breaking Through series. But I got in this idea in my head when Tom and I were talking yesterday that, he, that you're right, that there is this gravity all around us and we're seeking to break through it. What is our fuel? What is the stages of our fuel release mechanisms? And how are we putting those into place? Because we can bend the gravity, but we never truly free ourselves from the gravity. It is there. It is always around us. And in fact, we need it. Without it, we're all just floating around in the sky. And that's probably not very <laughs> much more productive than if our feet were literally in, in cement blocks. We need the ability to move, but we also need friction. It is the friction that creates the joy. It is the friction that creates the merriment. It is the friction that gives us the ability to expend energy and effort in order to feel joy and accomplishment from the expenditures of the energy and effort. Without the expenditures, things are just effortless and easy, and it's like putting on our shoes. And at some point, we, hedonistic adaptation kicks in, and we don't even really care uh, if, about the shoes. My metaphor is falling apart here, but I'll get you out of here on this. I want you to start thinking about the major components of your gravity. What are you seeking to break through? Is it the knee-jerk reaction to argue or contradict or just be defensive all the time? Is it whenever you start to feel uh, anxiety or stress or overwhelm or a craving feeling that you just succumb to your addiction without figuring out some ways to pattern interrupt yourself in that moment, break yourself out of the loop and go do something different? Because if you want to be somebody different, you're going to have to do something different. And if you're trying to be somebody you've never been, then you're going to have to do a whole lot of things you've never done but that's part of it. And to think that there's just an easy button to this, you know, Staples might sell that little plastic doohickey that you can slap and say, look, there's an easy button, but there is no real easy button to life. It's time that we all face that, that there's not a magic pill. There's not a snapping of the fingers. There's no genie that's popping out of a bottle giving us three wishes. And that shit always went sideways in those shows anyways. It is time we become our own lottery ticket. Because it's up to us to put in the effort in order to achieve the life that we've always desired. We're, we're seeking to break through to the other side. But even when we finally achieve the life that we've always desired, right? There's always another 99 problems. Drinking and drugs may not be one, but it's like 
with all problems, as soon as you solve one, it just brings in another one with it, and sometimes even more. But that's the beauty, is that as we go on this journey, much like Link in Zelda, right, we want to accomplish these experience points, realizing that the game was always built to be more difficult the further along we got. Because if it was easy, everybody would just get to the finish, and it wouldn't even be worth frickin' playing. Life is worth playing. You've made that decision by even hitting play on this podcast. Now it's time to figure out what resources, what tools, what skills, what abilities you want to begin to foster within yourself in order to achieve the outcome that you've always desired, in order to continue moving forward with as many experience points as possible. So when you get into those difficult levels and that, you know, into the level monster is waiting for you there, you know what to do in that situation. And it's not always about defeating the, the level boss the first time. It's about learning from each one of these experiences, taking them as feedback opportunities, and then coming back at it again from a different angle or a newer perspective or the new skill or strategy or capability or teammate on your side. Life is infinite. And when we get ourselves so narrowly focused on only feeling the gravity, we forget we were made of fuel. It's about time you strap yourself in because you're ready for launch. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine. Shout out to Robert. Glow on. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. 